0: Open your Bibles to 1 Peter. Well, there were some um, graduates here, and that was one, one of them is right up here. Right? Did you just graduate yesterday, Josh? Yeah. Okay, congratulations. Does anyone know of any other graduates in our church? Anyone else that graduated this year? Who? Monica. Oh, Monica, that's right. Monica, congratulations to you. Everyone in your family can go give you a great big bear hug right now. Okay. Gabe, that's right, Gabe. I probably should have thought of this ahead of time, but I just saw Josh up here, and I thought, "Oh, who's who's graduated?" So, so, yeah, probably more. So, oh well, maybe we'll think about that. First Peter chapter number one. We're back in First Peter. I want you to imagine a ship that's been out to sea for a number of weeks, maybe even uh, maybe even a month, a couple months, and they go through a big storm, and it knocks out all their communication and maybe even took them way off course. And so the crew is very concerned, and maybe a couple of days go by as they're you know, going through the sea there, and they're on their way to wherever they're going. And they're very concerned because they're starting to run out of food. And as they look around, all they can see is sea, and they know they're moving in a certain direction, but they don't know if they're going the right direction. They should have been home by now, and now they're not. And so you can picture this, this, this ship and these, this crew that's very concerned, and then picture them coming to the bridge and coming up to the captain and, and coming to the captain and sharing their concerns. Captain, what's going on? We don't we're very concerned. That we don't know what's we don't have much food left, and it looks like we're out to sea and we don't know how long it's gonna take us to get there. And the captain has a big smile on his face, and he's happy and he's jolly, and, and they say, Captain, how can you be so happy at a time like this? This is not good. We don't have any communications. And the captain picks up his maps and puts them down and he says, You know what? I'm, I'm navigating this and I I've been through these waters before, I know how to get home, and we're only a couple days away. And what the difference is between the crew and the captain is that the crew or the captain has knowledge, and he is applying that knowledge, and he has faith that he's going to get to his destination. The crew, in some sense, has some, some sense of despair, maybe even a little depressed, because they don't have that same information, and they don't have that, therefore, the same faith, to be able to place their faith in that. And we're going to talk today about how faith fuels joy. Our, our joy comes from our faith. When you understand who God is, the destination that God has for us, and that he's actually taking us there, and we place our faith in that, it actually fuels our, our joy. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're looking at the topic of God's great salvation. Our text for the next few weeks here is is verses 3 through 12 of chapter 1. Again, this is a doxology of praise to God for his great salvation. The last two weeks, we looked in verses 3 and 5 about how we should praise God for that great salvation, and then this week, we're looking about how we should rejoice in God for his great salvation, and then... And then on the 31st of this month is is actually Pentecost, and we're going to look at how we should declare his great salvation. What a great Sunday to do that on the day of Pentecost. We're in the midst of some difficult days, aren't we? These, some people say, are unprecedented times. I'm sure there's been times that have happened, something's happened like this in the past. But this is a very difficult time for many people. Some predict that it's only going to get worse, especially in the political season that we're in, and especially with the lockdown and the virus. And this has been a time where a lot of people have been tempted and are fearful and are anxious. Some are even depressed. And so as we think about really what's happening in our world and our society, as things around us seemingly fall apart, how should we respond as Christians? What perspective does God want us to have? Well, Well, Peter wrote this letter to churches that were experiencing severe persecution. I mean, these, these, these individuals turned to Christ, and as a result of coming to Christ, many of them lost family relationships. Their, their family rejected them. Their friends rejected them. Some lost their jobs. Some lost their homes. Some lost their own lives. So this is, a, this is a wonderful letter to consider when you go through a difficult time because these people were going through a very, very difficult time. And how did these believers respond? We well, look down in verse 6. Peter describes these believers as people who had joy. He says, in this you rejoice. In fact, if you look in verse 8, he again says, you rejoice. And if you notice, both of these words, neither of these are commands. These are actually descriptions of these believers and how they're responding to all of this. So, these believers, in the midst of a very difficult time, they responded with joy. How is that possible? That's what we're going to look at today. Let me show you really the outline of these three verses, verses six through nine. If you look in verse six, he talks about the joy that they have. And then, for six through eight, he, he presents three obstacles to this joy. You can see, verse six, he says, Though you are grieved by trials, so that's the first obstacle. Then the next obstacle is in verse 8, he says, though you have not seen him. The next obstacle is in verse 8, where he says, though you do not now see him. Then he concludes in verse 8 with the fact that those obstacles did not stop their joy. In fact, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. So it kind of crescendos there with their joy. Their their joy was not removed because of those three things. Actually, their joy was increased through those things. So how is that possible? Well, we're going to look at that in our text. So would you look at uh, verse 3? We're going to read down through verse 9, and then we'll pray and begin our study of these texts. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And here's our text In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's ask God to bless the word this morning. Father, we ask for grace to be upon this text as we teach it, as I teach it. I pray that you will enable me to speak the words that align accurately with your word. I pray the Holy Spirit will use this text to penetrate the hearts of the people and bring comfort to those who need it, to bring joy to those who are sorrowful, and to bring hope to those who don't have hope. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, how can you have joy in a time of trouble? Both those words seem like contradictions, right? Joy and trouble, how do those go together? So this is a key phrase I'm going to present to you here, and this is one I want you to read to remember throughout our time this morning. And this is the answer. How can you have joy in the midst of trouble? The answer is this. Joy comes through your faith in God. Joy comes through your faith in God. Faith produces joy. And that phrase is the key to understanding this passage, but also to experiencing true, true joy. Joy comes through your faith. And they're, they're both connected. You can't have joy without having faith. So in our text, we're going to observe four ways our faith brings joy. Four ways our faith brings joy. The first two we'll look at this week, which are joy comes as we trust his promises. And then also we'll look at joy remains as we trust his purpose. So trust, trust, trust his purpose. I think I put the wrong one up there. Sorry about that. You can change that at home, I guess. And then we'll look at joy comes as we, grows as we trust his person. Next week, we'll look at joy radiates as we trust his product. So, so let's look first. Joy comes as we trust his promises. Look at verse 6. He says, in this you rejoice. So the question is, what are they rejoicing in? Well, he says, in this. Well, What is the in this? Well, in this refers back to verses 3 through five, which is a description of the great salvation God has given to us. So so Peter, remember in verses three through five, we taught on this last the last two weeks that God has provided for us in his mercy, in his joy, in his love, he's provided for us new life. And he showed this new life. He's given us this new life. And it's this new life has provided for us a promise of resurrection. It's given us the promise of the inheritance. It's given us the promise that, that God will secure our, our hearts and our lives until he returns. And the more of these believers understood and, and trusted these truths, the more joy the Lord would give them. Their joy was sourced in God's promises of Salvation. When when you believe something is true and it's something that's good, when you believe something is true and something that's good, you rejoice, right? Yesterday I told our kids, I said, "Hey, let's go to the park and let's do some roller skating, and or rollerblading. Sorry, rollerblading and and some fun things like that. And then afterwards we got ice cream. Went to Aldi and got this little box of ice cream. So, but that that's a lot of fun. How do you think the kids responded to that? Well. The, the truth that they believed was that I had ice cream for them and they rejoiced in that. And if you really believe something is true and it's something that's really good, you rejoice. And if you really believe in the salvation that God has provided for us, our response is joy. The word joy, rejoice is a fascinating it's a fascinating one. It's a compound word with agon, which means uh, much. The second part of this compound word is the root word Alamai. And the, the second word, Alamai, is really an interesting one. It's translated in different uh, parts of the New Testament. Uh, one part, one time it's translated in Acts chapter 3 of a man who was healed, and this man leaped up. And so that's that word there. It's the idea that he, he was healed, and he leaped up. Alamai, he leaped up. Also in John chapter 4, it's used of a fountain that gushes forth, that comes out. And so the, the picture here of this word, there's, there's this much gushing forth much leaping out it's like this it comes out of you so so what is what is coming out of us well it's this it's this joy that comes out it's 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 praise it's exaltation it's thanksgiving to god so the picture of rejoice is that there's something that is in you that comes out of you it gushes forth and what is coming what I should say this way what is inside of us what what is in us that comes out well it's faith in the lord and his salvation you can actually see that in verse 5 look at verse 5 so he talks about God's great salvation then he says who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation so God has saved us God has provided for us a home in heaven and we believe that and our hearts are filled with with faith in God's salvation and what comes out what comes out is joy it comes out what comes out is Joy, that gushes out of our heart. In fact, I have a Coke bottle right here. I'll come back if I'm off screen here. I have a Coke bottle here. I don't know if you have ever done this before, or maybe if you have kids that they've done this before you, but sometimes people will shake bottles like this before they give it to you, and then you open it up. And what happens if you shake a bottle of Pepsi like this uh, and then open it up? It gushes forth, right? In other words, if I were to do that right now and shake it and have it open up, that would be a bad idea, wouldn't it? But what would happen is the carbonated beverage would, would, would burst forth. And why is that? Well, because you have a, a carbonated beverage in here. And that's what happens when, when you shake it and then when you open it. What's inside comes out. And that's kind of the, that's the picture here of joy. What's inside is faith. And we trust God that he has saved us. He provided uh, salvation for us. And what comes out is a response of joy. Listen to Romans chapter 5, or you can read it on the screen. Romans 5, 2. It says, through him, that's Jesus, we have obtained access, access to God into to the salvation by faith into this grace in which we stand. And what's our response? And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what about you? Do you have joy? Well, you might say, well, I don't, I don't have much joy. In fact, this week I, I complained a lot. I was you know, walking around the house, saying, why does this have to happen? Why are people doing this, you know? I watch a lot of news, and afterwards, I like, gripe, right, da-da-da-da-da, you know? Or maybe you even kind of are sinking, sinking down. You feel depressed, or maybe you're in despair. You you feel hopeless. So so where, do, what, what, where does that come from? I should say, what's the result of that? Well, the result of that is that you can uh, feel really down. You can feel really depressed, and... Where does that come from? What well, comes from a heart that's fearful, right? A heart that's anxious. Maybe you, maybe you think about all the problems in this world. You think about all the, the things that you can't control, all the difficulties going on in your heart becomes fearful and anxious. You meditate on those things. Anxiety really is a constant meditation on problems that you can't change, on outcomes that you can't control. And so you might be afraid about possible outcomes. Maybe you think about the past. Maybe there's some regret about the past. Or so that eats away at you. If you dwell on on terror and on fear, what what happens is your heart is depressed. It sinks down. In fact, listen to this verse, Proverbs 12, 25. This is a verse I like to share with people who are really struggling with with these types of of feelings. And Proverbs 12, 25, the New King James says, Anxiety in the heart causes depression. So as you meditate on all these things you can't control and all these problems and you really spiral because of it, it really weighs your heart down, and it can cause you to be depressed. And so, so that, and that's where a lot of people find themselves right now. Right? Maybe that's where you find yourself. You're at home, and you just you feel so weighted down by everything. So, what's the solution? Well, for the Christian, we need to fill our minds and our hearts with the reality of eternity, with the salvation of our God, and and. Fill our hearts and minds with that and then grasp onto that with, by faith and, and respond to the Lord in faith and joy. A great parallel passage, I think, that speaks about this is Philippians chapter 4. In verse 4 through 7, this is actually a command here where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, how can you do that? Well, in verse 5, he says, well, here's how. It's because, because the Lord is at hand. The Lord's coming soon. And in verse 6, he says, don't be anxious for anything. So don't, don't allow your mind to be weighted down with all the cares and all the concerns or things that you can't control. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So go to the Lord in faith. Understand who he is, what he's doing. Go to him in thanksgiving. And he says, in the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Joy and, and her sister peace joy and peace come through faith. In Philippians it's demonstrated there in prayer, in a prayer of thanksgiving to God. So we, we should come to God and in, in faith and the result of that is God gives us his peace and his joy. 1 Peter 1 6 through 6-9 really has these, this, this connection throughout, this idea that, that joy is linked to faith. In fact look at verse 5 So what you'll see is you'll see faith and then you'll see joy. So look in verse five, you see we have faith for salvation. Then look in verse six, he says, what is it? In this you rejoice. So you can see those faith and joy are connected. Then look at verse seven, he says that we have joy in spite of trials there. And, And why is that? It's because our faith is being strengthened. And then in verse eight, we can't see Jesus now but we still believe in Jesus. So there you see faith, and what's the result? It's joy. It's We rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And so my point is that what I'm trying to prove to you here in in the text of Scripture is that faith and joy are together. Joy comes as we trust God's promises for us. So, So what should you do then? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and you're like, I want the joy of God, what should you do? You need to go back and meditate on who God is and on his promises. You need to go back and meditate on the word of God. Fill your heart with God and his scripture and then trust that, pray to God. Say, God, I believe this is true and have faith in what will come out will be a response of joy to the Lord. Think about someone like Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she was just a teenager. Remember, she was afraid when the angel came to her And the angel said, don't be afraid. Then the angel told her the promises that God had for her. She was going to have a baby of the Holy Spirit. And then not just that, but this baby was going to be an amazing baby, a savior of the world. And Mary actually, even though she probably should have remained afraid, and maybe was a little bit afraid still of some things, but though she probably should have been gripped by fear, she didn't. She wasn't. She went to the house of Elizabeth. And remember what she did when she got there? She sang. In fact, she said this and and. In Luke chapter number one, she said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary rejoiced, and really, probably for her, the second most difficult time of her life, probably when Christ died was the first, but just a really difficult time where she had to choose, am I going to trust God and his promises? And she did, and she rejoiced. Remember, the angels appeared to the shepherds, and what do they say to the shepherds? Don't fear for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. So the, the good news of Jesus brings joy. After the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples were scared. They were all scattered around. Some were huddled up in a room, and, and they were all afraid that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were going to come after them next. And then Jesus appeared to them. It took a little while for them to be convinced that that they should have faith in the Lord. But eventually they came around, and they trusted the Lord the Bible says that they, when they saw Jesus and they were convinced that he was the resurrected savior, they put their faith in him. And Luke 24, 52, the Bible says they worshiped him, that's Jesus, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. So again, joy for the disciples came after faith in the promises of God, even in the midst of trouble, which many of them thought they're walking back into Jerusalem to go to their death but they still had joy. But 150 years after Peter wrote this epistle on March 7, 203 in Carthage, North Africa, there was a young lady, 26 year old lady who became a a Christian. Her name was Perpetua. She was married. She had a little baby. And um, like I said, she was 26. So she was a young lady. She had her whole life in front of her, became a Christian. And when that happened, her family came to her and pleaded for her to renounce Christ and, the, the authorities there in Carthage actually took her and imprisoned her and a friend of hers. And she remained faithful to the Lord, but they actually gave her an offer. They said, you know, we'll, we'll let you go free. We won't have you go to the arena. We won't have you be killed. We won't execute you for your faith if you just sacrifice to the gods. And of course, they were upset because she wouldn't sacrifice to their, their false gods. And they wouldn't, she wouldn't pledge allegiance to the Caesar. Her her dad even came and brought her baby and and pleaded, please, please, you can have a life. You can have this baby. Please just, just sacrifice. And she refused to. So they took her to the arena where there were thousands of people jeering and mocking her. She was stripped of her clothes. Animals were prepared to devour her. One witness described her and her friend like this. As they were walking into that arena, they went in joyfully as though they were on their way to heaven. And as the crowds cheered, Perpetua was ripped apart and she died. Before she died, she called back to her friend and she said, stand strong in the faith. So here was a young lady who had faith in God, faith that God had saved her, faith that God had something better for her, honestly, better than a a life on earth with a little baby? What? How can that be? she had joy, joy in the midst of a difficult time. This should not be a surprise to us, Christian. This should not be a surprise to us. Matthew 5, 12, Jesus said, Blessed are you, happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in Heaven, look to the future, look to the reward, and rejoice in the Lord. So let me encourage you, Christian, if you're feeling down because of everything that's happening or some difficulties in your life, meditate on the great salvation God has for you. I would say it this way, meditate on reality, on the reality of who God is, and then go to the Lord in prayer. Pray those promises that God has for you to the Lord and rejoice in his great salvation. So joy comes as we trust his promises, and joy remains as we trust his purpose, as we trust trust his purpose. So look down in verse number six. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So joy remains as we trust his purposes. Peter starts out describing his believers as People who have joy, in this they rejoice. And then again, like I said earlier, he gives some obstacles to joy. And the first one is found there in verse 6. He says, though now you have been grieved by various trials. The word trials is the word tests. And it speaks of the difficulties that, that test our, our faith in God. Notice how he describes these, these trials, these difficulties. He says there's, there's various trials. This is actually the same uh, word you find, Greek word you find over in James chapter one, a familiar passage about trials that says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. Various is the word that describes something that's multicolored. So it's the idea that that trials come in all shades and all colors and all different varieties. I looked up online to see how many colors there were in the world. According to Chester F. Carlson Center for Imaging Science. It sounds like they know what they're talking about. There are nearly 10 million distinguishable colors in the world. 10 million, that's a lot. I know seven. Like, I'm roy Roy—I'm a Roy G. Biv guy. You know what I'm talking about? The colors of the rainbow. Beyond that, I don't have much hope. But think about 10 million distinguishable colors. That's a lot. So just think about it. there's There's so many varieties of different kind of trials, difficulties that people go through. And so I'm just going to list some that That maybe some that you're going through, some difficulties you're facing right now. Maybe you're disappointed because you wish you could have reached some goals and you didn't reach those. Maybe people have criticized you for something or maybe your career or your schooling is not where you want it to be. Maybe you have some financial troubles or you're having some physical difficulties or there's a relationship that has caused you some type of pain. Maybe you messed up in some way in the past or in the present. Maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel loose, useless. Maybe, maybe there's a tragedy that's happened in your life. You've lost a loved one. Or maybe, maybe it's this virus and the effects of it that's, hap- that's taking place in your life. Those can be obstacles to joy, but they don't have to be. They weren't for these believers they, they had joy that remained through their difficulties, and how is that? Well, they trusted in God's purpose, and what was his purpose? God is doing something in your life to refine your faith. God is refining your faith. He's allowing these trials to, to make you your faith stronger and purer. Notice how he des- describes these trials. Notice the nature of these trials. So this is kind of an outline within an outline first your trials are painful they're painful look at verse six he says you are grieved by various trials grief speaks to the sorrow and the pain caused by the difficulty this word reminds us that we will feel pain in this world our hearts will hurt we will be grieved and actually that's okay it's okay jesus had a friend, Lazarus, that died. And even though Jesus was, in a couple of moments, was only a couple minutes away from raising him from the dead, he was the resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he knew that. But yet Jesus still had sorrow. Jesus still cried. And that's okay. Some people view the Christian life as, as maybe a person who has a stiff upper lip. You know, and nothing ever affects them and they have no emotion and you know, their faith is so strong that they're never going to shed a tear. That, that's actually not a good picture of the Christian life. That's not how Jesus was. It's not what the disciples taught. They're, it's actually okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, to feel that pain and cry out to the Lord. Some Christians actually even present the Christian life as, or some people present the Christian life as um, something that should be pain-free. Right? You should never lose your job if you're a Christian, or you should never have any kind of problems in your life if you're a Christian. Well, that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. A lot of people make a lot of money teaching that. A lot of people deceive. You know, a lot of these faith healers and people like that out there, people call them the prosperity gospel preachers. They're, they're the ones that say, if you do this, this, and this, then, then God will give you a life without pain. But that's actually not reality. That's not what the Word of God teaches. In fact, you can flip over if you want to to 1 Peter 4, and you can see Peter attacks this head on, 1 Peter four twelve, He says, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though some strange thing were to happen to you, but rejoice. So he kind of parallels what he says at the very beginning of the book, and there he says, like, don't think it's odd that you're going through a difficult time and you have pain. Actually, that's part of the Christian life. Our response, though, should be to rejoice. So your trials can be painful, but also your trials are only temporary. They're temporary. That's number two. Look at verse six. It says, though now for a little while. Friend, do you realize trials are only for a little while? Maybe you lost your job. Well, you might get a new job, right? It could be that God has a better job for you. So sometimes they're temporary while we're on earth. Sometimes there, there are trials that go through our entire life. We have trials. This trial stays with us. Like, like Paul had a thorn in the flesh, some difficulty that wouldn't go away. But even that's temporary, right? Because someday you're going to die. And then you get to be in glory with the Lord. So the Lord has something better for you on the other side of this life. So everything we experience and see that causes pain is only temporary. So it's good to keep that perspective. And then number three, God's purposes are on purpose. So trials are actually sent to us on purpose. Look at verse six. He says, though now for a little while, if necessary, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. If necessary means that God has a purpose in everything that happens. The difficulties of your life, they are not a surprise to God. God did not wonder, where, where did this virus come from? Right? God didn't, God didn't wonder, like, where did, did it come from China or not? And what, who sent it over here? Like, God knew this was all going to happen. God planned this all to happen. The trials are, if necessary, it's on purpose. God has a reason for what he allows in this, this world and in your life. And so you might ask yourself, you might say, well, what is that purpose? And why, why do I have this in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked. Even though I can't hear you, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 7. He gives the answer to that. He says, That the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So your trials are on purpose And your trials have a purpose. They have a purpose. Look at verse 7. He says, so that. This is a purpose clause. In order that. So here's the purpose of the trials in your life. It's the testing of your faith. The test, the genuineness of your faith. So again, it comes back to faith. What is God doing in your life through this difficulty? He's removing the impurities and he's strengthening your faith. Back, you know, what is it, 10 weeks ago when this whole thing started and we had to close down the gathering of the churches. My first response is this is going to be terrible for a lot of churches out there. And it's going to be very difficult. And it still is difficult, but I thought this is, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing. This is going to turn out to be very bad. But then the more I, I, you know, thought about things like this—not necessarily this text—but thought about, you know, God has a purpose in this, right? And so God has a reason for this. It's actually a good thing. And and then as I've kind of experienced the last couple of weeks, I've I've seen God doing some things through that. I've seen, for instance, Lighthouse. I've seen many people who this has not caused them to just watch Netflix all for ten weeks, right? You've actually got on the phone. You've called people. There's been people in the church that have have been uh, helping people. There's some people that have come and volunteered to give food out to our community here and. So some people in our church, I, I, many people I should say, in our church, they, you could see their faith remaining strong and actually being refined and growing and see God working. And So you can see actually, this has actually been, in some sense, a good thing for many people in the church. I think that for many people in the church in America, this has actually been a refining process to show them where their faith really is. You know, for a person who sits at home and, and they say, well, I don't really need to go watch the service, or I don't need to really go to church, or they don't long to be back in church, or maybe they're like, I don't, it's kind of a nice, have a vacation from God's people, from other people, and someone that has that kind of attitude towards the church, and to God's word, and to this kind of time we're having right now, it reveals your faith, and honestly, it's probably something, if you're listening to me right now, and you're, you say you're a Christian, and you've kind of viewed this time, the last 10 weeks, as oh, it's good to have a break from everyone, it's good to have a break from this, you know it, it actually might show you something about your faith or maybe your lack of faith. So I think this actually can be a really healthy time for the churches to refine the church, and say like who, who are those people that actually have have true faith and, and, and how can it grow our faith and strengthen our faith? I think about many of you out there, uh, especially those at lighthouse, as I talk to you on the phone, you're like, I just can't wait to get back. And as you consider, what God is doing, as you consider your own heart, you're kind of like, you're kind of like this Coke bottle, right? And your heart is just filled up with, with, God, with the word of God and with the Lord, and you're ready to get back. And actually, the only thing this, this thing has done, this uh, this time of COVID 19 has done, it's kind of shaking you up, right? I should I should just open this up to give no no, I shouldn't do that. But it's kind of shaking you up, right? And so you're like, you're like, I'm ready to get back, and that first Sunday we get back and we're gonna open up the church. I mean, you're gonna be like the charismatic. Not theologically, but practically. You're going to be like praising God, right? In other words, as your heart has during this time and filled with the salvation of God and faith in the Lord, you're like, I can't wait to get back. And you're like, you've seen those videos online where the guy's like, you know, running around screaming. He's like, I'm so happy to be at church, you know. I mean, and that's how you're going to feel inside. Make sure we don't do that because we're going to be social distancing even when we get back. So anyways, but the point is, is that this is actually can be a very good time to refine our faith. And Peter uses a, a great illustration to picture the testing from God. He said that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire. So the picture here is, is that there's gold that's being refined. So so picture that. Think about some type of, of ore and dirt, and within that there's gold, and you take that that impure hunk of whatever it is, and you put it into a smelter, and then you light the fire, and the fire is turned up to whatever it is. I looked online, so I, I don't know actually how this actually works, but I looked it up, and it, you turn it up to 2,900 degrees Fahrenheit. It's pretty pretty hot, right? And for two and a half to three hours, that, that gold burns in the smelter, and so that fire is hot. The purpose of that fire is to separate the impurities, and so the gold floats to The the gold sinks to the bottom, and the slag, the impurities, float to the top, and then that slag is poured out, and what remains is the product of pure gold. And if you refine gold, you don't just do it one time. You keep doing that until you have pure and pure and pure gold. So that's the picture Peter uses here to help us understand what God is doing in this life. Your, Your faith is mixed with a lot of impurities, right? We need to have a pure faith, a stronger faith in the Lord, and we need to have a stronger faith, trust in God. So that's what God is doing in our life right now. And these trials, they they can, in some sense, prove that we have faith. But That's not the only thing it's doing. It's actually helping us have have a stronger and pure faith. And the result of these trials is that you depend upon the Lord more. And your faith is like that gold. Becomes pure and pure, and therefore, as it hardens, stronger and stronger. Now, if I were to give you the choice between having a room full of gold and having a a trial that brings you uh, pure faith, which one would you choose? Of course, all the spiritual people say, Give me the trial that gives me stronger faith. Okay, obviously, we would want the gold, right? Because we see that as valuable, And, and it is valuable. Only for a short time, right? Only in this time, the Bible says here that gold perishes, so it's only in this life is it valuable. But gold isn't valuable to God. Think about that. I mean, God created gold, right? He could speak, and the whole our whole houses could be filled with gold if He wanted to. In fact, nothing in this world really is valuable to God in that sense because He created it. He could create it again. He can destroy it. There are two things that are valuable to God, and that is you. And your faith. In fact, that's how he describes your faith. He says it's precious. Look down in verse 6, where he says, Your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. So, who is your faith precious to? Well, it should be precious to you, but it's speaking here about God, the Lord. Your, Your faith is valuable to the Lord, He cares about you and your faith. I think this means then that the most valuable thing for you and your life should be your faith in the Lord. The reason we remain joyful during trials is because we know, we believe that God has a purpose in this and he's actually causing me to depend on him more, to to trust him more. And you know the wonderful thing about God? He knows you better than you know you. He knows how to touch your life. He knows the fire that needs to come in your life to refine your faith. And so what's happening in your life, again, is not an accident. God knows what you need so that you will trust him more. And I don't want you to view this as God enjoying your pain. (laughs) That's not it at all. He doesn't enjoy your pain. God grieves in some sense with you but he doesn't enjoy the pain, but he enjoys your faith. And you know why? Why does God enjoy your faith? He gets to be closer to you. He gets to have a a closer relationship with you, which is why he made you so you could enjoy him. And then through that, bring him honor and glory. When our, we have five children. So when some of my older kids were younger, you know, when they were first one or two, sometimes they would fall and I would teach them, you know, you need to you know, don't whine and complain. Get up and walk around and, you know, shake it off a little bit. And so I'm, I was a little harsher, you could say, that way with my older kids. Now I have a five-year-old. He's our last one. He's about to turn six years old. And so he's, he's just getting out of that stage. And when you see these kids growing up, you go, oh, it's really sad. And you start going, oh, I kind of miss when I could hold them, and, you know, and they would come to me and stuff. And so a couple weeks ago he fell down and he was crying. And and instead of being, like, you know, stiff upper lip, kid, come on, get up and walk around. I was like, oh, come here. And we went and sat in the couch and I held him and I talked to him and actually really enjoyed that time. And I didn't enjoy his pain. I wasn't like, oh, I'm so glad you fell off your bike. That's great. You know, I was like, no, no, but I really actually enjoyed the relationship that we had, right? I enjoyed, you could say it this way, the faith that he had in me and the, the relationship that we had because of the pain. So in the same way, God isn't enjoying your pain, but God enjoys the response that you have to him. And so think about this. If Joy comes from faith, then the more your faith is refined, the more joy you have. Again, let me, let me say that again. The more your faith is refined, the more joy you have. And it's not that you say, oh, man, then bring on the trials, Lord. It's not that at all, okay? But it's also that we don't reject what God has put in our life. We say, God, I'm going to embrace this, and I'm going to seek to trust you through this, and I'm going to seek to find my joy in you there are times in my life and Dana when we walked through different trials and honestly I look back and I regret not trusting the Lord like I wish I could have, would have I think about different trials that we went through and uh, definitely was difficult and and I, and I, as we went through it, I thought, why why did, you know, after I after I went through I thought, why didn't I trust the Lord more? Look what the Lord did. Look how he brought me through. Look how he faithful he was. And look how unfaithful I was. And there's been other times when God really has given us grace and we did trust him through that. I know I've told you this before. Um, there's been different things in the, our life that God has brought into our life. One of those was the birth of our first child, Isabel. And uh, I think I've told you guys this before, and sometimes it's hard to remember what stories you tell, but. This was a passage that I remember studying and reading during that time and really considering and asking myself the question during a very difficult time in our life is, do I really believe this and do I really want this? Do I really believe that God can give me joy during this time and do I really want my faith refined to trust him more? It was September 2005, I was in seminary, I was serving at a church in the children's ministry, over the children's ministry, we actually had just... Uh, finished doing a we had over 200 kids in our Wana program, so we were a big Wana church, and we had just trans- we were transitioning that summer to doing True Trackers. So True Trackers had did not exist before 2005, and so we were creating it to be able to be launched in 2005 at Calvary, and uh, and so it was I think it was September 7th that Wednesday night we were going to do our first True Trackers. September 3rd, um, Dana was 26 weeks pregnant in one one day. We had just a week, month before, or maybe two months before, bought a house. It was a fixer-upper. Um, and so there's a lot going on in her life, just put it that way. A lot, a lot of things happening. And then on September 3rd, Dana went into labor with Isabel. And September 4th, before Dana was about to have the baby, they told us that you're going to have this baby. She might die. And uh, if she doesn't die, she's going to have a lot of physical problems. And so, the, so there you are, kind of dropped with this bomb. I mean, my life was chugging along. Like, I have this True Trackers program, awesome, you know, I have, I have this church ministry, I have seminary, I have all this. It's like, I remember uh, the dean of the seminary came up and slapped me in the back at one time in, in, a, in really a good-natured way, but he said, you know what, I guess this will see what you're made of. And at first I thought, I think I should be offended by that. But the more I actually thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, I think he's right. And actually, as I went through it and kind of looked back on it, I was like, I know he's right. Actually, it is a time of testing to see, do I really trust God? And during those times, you either sink in despair or you, you really fill your heart with faith and, you trust God, faith and you trust God, and you actually are able to rejoice. And it's a really strange thing. But God can fill your heart with joy. And, of course, September 4, 2005, Isabel was born. And for the next two and a half months, she was in the NICU. And the next year, she was at home with, some different things, different problems, and different things that happened. And I remember there was a, a person who gave us—they um, gave us a song um, that we, they thought would be good for us to sing. And they printed it out and they put it so we could put it next to her um, place the NICU up there. And it was a song called "I Am Your Creation." And it was a song that helped re- remind us that God created this baby. But also, listen—there's things we don't understand in our life. But God is doing something through those things, but ultimately over, uh, he's over everything. And the last stanza goes like this. It says, some things about my life I cannot understand, but still I trust the wisdom of your master plan. Though the way I cannot see, though my path confuses me, I will trust what you've begun. Your work of love is not done. And so it was a song that said, pointed us to say, you need to trust God during this difficult time and and definitely didn't do it perfectly, but it was a sweet time for us to keep. I mean, honestly, we kept juggling all those things, but we kept moving forward. And Dana, every day, hours on end, was up there with that baby, singing this song and other songs to her and praying for her. I would, after this class, go and pray with with Dana. And uh, on her third birthday, we made a video. and I want to play it for you here. And just, it talks about this. It, actually, the song is played in the background. This was the song that this person gave to us. And so let me play this and just... <clears throat> to help you kind of picture kind of what we went through and then I'll have something else to say after this. Some things about my life I cannot understand But still I trust the wisdom of your master plan Though the goal I cannot see Though my path confuses me I will trust what you've begun, your work of love is not done. You formed me in my mother's womb, according to your plan. You made each tiny finger, and you made each little hand. Shall be my greatest joy to praise You from my heart. Again, I guess that was, again was a difficult time for us, but a time when we chose to trust the promises of God. And and I can say this honestly, as we look back at that time, it was difficult. But we look back and remember actually as it as a joyful time, a time where Dan and I enjoyed each other. We enjoyed the Lord. Again, there's times when I look back on trials I went through, and I wish I would have trusted the Lord more. I wish I would have clung to Him more during those times. And and don't actually. I didn't actually experience a joy that I could have had. And when we have a difficulty, we have a choice. We have a choice. <clears throat> are we going to think about God and meditate on His salvation for us, on His promises for us, and are we going to respond therefore in joy? Or are we going to just meditate on all the problems, and we're going to spiral? And are we going to uh, be anxious and therefore be pulled down into depression? So what 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 are you going to choose? So faith produces. Joy. And joy remains as we trust his purpose. God has a purpose in this. And then notice the last purpose in verse 7. It's an eternal purpose. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though will be tested by fire, may be found to result. This is an eternity. To result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ and and the praise and the glory and the honor speaks of god bestowing praise and honor and glory upon us that seems a little backwards doesn't it well it's not because we deserve it but it's because we have trusted him he gave us the grace he gave us the strength we clung to him and then he says well done my good and faithful servant and when will that take place at the revelation of Jesus, when Jesus comes back. So again, he points us to the future to look to this reward of Jesus Christ himself. And he says, listen, there's going to be a day when God's purposes will be completed and we will see the end product of his salvation for us. Faith brings joy. This week, you're going to be tempted, maybe even today, to be pulled down by all the difficulties of this world, can I remind you to go back to God? Fill your heart with the the things of the Lord, the promises of the Lord. Meditate upon him. Pray to him. Trust the Lord. Respond with joy. Trust his promises and trust his purposes. Let's pray. Father, this is a difficult text to preach because all of us have things in our life that are very difficult our human response is to just curl up and want to give up but our holy spirit empowered response should be to get up and to pray and to trust you and to meditate upon you to go forward with joy i pray that you will give our people lighthouse bible church give us true joy as we as we trust your promises, we trust your purpose. Oh, God, we don't, we don't enjoy the pain. We don't, you don't either, but we do want to embrace what you have allowed in our life for your glory and for our good. So, God, please do that for our church. Refine our church. May we, may we come out of this difficulty as fine gold. Refine our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Lighthouse, for joining us today and anyone else that joined us. If you are not a part of Lighthouse, you'd like to talk to us, I'm, uh, you can look on our website, look up our phone number, and I would love to pray with you and talk with you. And, of course, Lighthouse family, we um, have two Zoom calls this week on Tuesday and Thursday. And, again, I'm available anytime. If you want to come by and talk to me, I would actually love that. You can social distance if you want to, so stay you know six, seven feet away. I have a little like, gate out here, and I stand on one side. That way I can make sure people social distance that come from outside the property. But anyways, I would love to talk to you uh, in person if you want to do that. And uh, we do have some uh, things we're going to be um, talking to you about this week. So look in your email. <clears throat> I think I said that last week, but we're still as elders praying through and considering what the next steps for our church should be. And so, But I do think this week, um, by Thursday, I should be having something that's going to go out to everyone. And so please be looking for that. And uh, pray for each other, pray for our church, and pray for our country. We need Jesus Christ. We need to turn back to the Lord. And so I pray for you, and I pray that you'll pray for, for us. Thank you so much.